Everyone wants the perfect body. It may look different for everyone, but we all still want it. The ads of a time gone by told us constantly that, quote, excess fat is an eyesore and a burden, end quote. And if you're going to lose the inches on those unseemly thick wrists and flabby arms, it would be nice if you could do it without a lot of effort or inconvenience while we're at it. Fear not, your call has been answered, and answered, and answered, many times over the years. So pop your favorite chocolate-flavored diet chew, sit back, and let those pounds roll off. Soon you'll be saying farewell to corpulency, as we are here to introduce a parade of unfailing flesh reducers, quick and painless treatments, overnight successes, and products to perish those pesky pounds. Welcome, my name is Elizabeth Bougeret, and I'm that person when studying the many facets of history likes to peek behind the curtain, investigate hidden passages, drop into the rabbit hole, or dare to walk in the shadows, because we all know that's where the good stories can be found. Take a listen then to discover what dark or peculiar pieces of American history can be found in my bag of bones. Long before you and I were around to sternly eyeball our waistlines in the mirror, there was no food and drug administration. No one to protect the consumer from unscrupulous sales scams. Drug companies were not required to tell the consumer what or how much of anything was put into their products. There was no truth in advertising, no clinical trials, no fact-checking. The only way these companies raised suspicion at all was if the death toll would start piling up. Even today, if a product is called a supplement, it's not required to get FDA approval. It's up to the company to be sure that the product is safe and that it lives up to all the claims that it is promoting. The truth is, many medicines or tonics or nostrums that were produced in the 1800s and 1900s contained things like mercury, belladonna, opium, marijuana, cocaine, and our old friend arsenic. Oh, and so much more. And specifically, for those purposes of weight loss, their ingredients were pretty much any form of laxative, added to alcohol, and it was the latest treatment. When the FDA did come into existence and guidelines were passed by the legislation requiring medicine companies to accurately represent ingredients used in the products in 1906, the laws were not enforced until beginning around 1938. There are some exceptions, but in general. The term patent medicine, which is what the majority of the remedies we'll be discussing fall under, didn't mean that the creators of the newest medicine or health tonic or nostrum went through the rigors to receive the coveted title. It was actually a term used to indicate that it was a store-bought brand, or unique labeling of the medicines. So the label was the thing you couldn't steal or copy, not the questionable liquid inside. All right then, let's get right to it. Let's get the most cringeworthy method out of the way first, shall we? Tapeworms. Because someone somewhere thought that swallowing a worm, a, a parasite, to hopefully eat your food faster than you could, would be a good idea. And yet, here we are a couple centuries later, and when I was researching this episode, I could have also put some tapeworm eggs in my cart. Just kidding, that was only Mexico. 
So someone somewhere still thinks ingesting parasites is a good idea. Side note and disclaimer, it is illegal to buy or sell tapeworms in America. Just don't do it. But let me break this down for you before you think you can have your cake and tapeworms will eat it for you too. During the Victorian era of the 1880s and early 1900s, full-page newspaper and magazine ads would boast how easy it was to simply swallow a sanitized pill, because you're civilized, and you'd never know it was there until the weight slipped away. You could eat what you want and not have to worry about weight sticking around. With all the stories, you'd think that this was what every woman was doing at the time. Most of the time, from what I've read, the eggs that would come in your little paper package were already dead or were not even real, which is good. Because if they did actually swallow live tapeworms and they did actually grow into fully functioning parasites, it could be really bad. The first concern might be you wouldn't be able to guarantee that they would adhere to the intestines. They could decide to attach someplace else. Some modern-day incidents that I read about ate them in a salad and the parasites found their way to the brain. Brain swelling, loss of sight, cognitive function, all that. Then you would have to worry about them growing. They can grow to be over 30 feet. And also, you may not have realized this, but they can produce hundreds of baby worms. So you could soon have an infestation, which leads to bowel obstruction and malnutrition. Did I mention that they can perforate the intestinal wall? Yeah, eat right through it. And you're going to make me say it, aren't you? What goes in must come out. From what I understand, most tapeworms don't want to come out and according to the advice from the Victorian era, they would drink bleach, swallow arsenic pills, or take laxatives to either kill them or flush them out. They suggested swallowing a capsule of food and then not eating yourself so the worm would starve and be forced to go to the capsule. Another method suggested holding a cup of warm milk near the uh, exit door to try and coax them out. In a modern-day story, and I'm sorry to say that most of my research was done in the present day, as in, this is still a very popular thing, but one of those people who thought swallowing parasites was better than taking care of themselves had a unique experience. His parasite was ready to evacuate all by itself and didn't care who was around to see it. The man, so it's said, had to excuse himself from a group of people because he could feel it swarming around. Actually, feel them. And one made its way down his pant leg. I wonder if there is milk nearby. However, it seems that there is more activity around these tapeworms these days than in our actual history. We like to think that in modern times that we know better. We've evolved in how best to heal our body and encourage the body to shed unwanted pounds. And yet, the stories of the tapeworm diet cannot be hushed. I have found stories in the 1900s of those who purchased the latest weight loss pill and left it alone for a couple days and then literally saw the pill rolling and jumping, only to find that it was, unbeknownst to her, a living tapeworm. 
When they reached out to the company, they discovered that each very large capsule contained a segment of a living tapeworm and enough nutrients to last them for two days. By the way, a single segment of a tapeworm can grow to become several adult tapeworms. Also, according to the research, the idea of the tapeworm diet was considered ridiculous, even in those days. Some circles believe that the ads were all fraudulent, and if anyone was purchasing, they were not dying or having amazing results, and therefore, no news is, well, no news. If you think about it, this was the time frame when America was trying hard not to get worms. You can get worms naturally from ingesting fecal matter or eating spoiled or undercooked beef and pork, which, if you listen to episode 32, where we talked about food preservation, America was already at war with these little buggers. I do believe the tapeworm capsules were a thing, and I do believe they were targeting wealthy women, who most likely would be reading the magazines and be self-conscious of her weight. However, there is no record that it was a popular fad. Like I mentioned, unless those who bought were too embarrassed to come forward either to complain or admit that they were duped. The American Medical Association, which has been keeping a list since 1906 of nostrums and quackery, wrote a response to a query on the validity of the tapeworm diet in 1930. Quote, the idea that any obesity cures contain any part of the tapeworm is a fantastic one that bobs up every once in a while and can never quite be tracked down. At any rate, we are certain that there is no truth in it, end quote. And in 1932, the AMA responded with a statement, quote, The tapeworm capsule for obesity is a hardy perennial. Of course, there is no such thing and never has been. My guess is that the idea originated from the fertile brain of a newspaper man who thought it would make a good story, and it has made a whole flock of good stories. End quote. During World War I, the French came up with a chemical composite to be used in making dyes and explosives. In 1933, an American researcher from Stanford University looked at that chemical and thought, hey, I bet that would be good for weight loss. Dinitrophenol, now referred to as DNP, hit the market. Quick science lesson. Inside each of our cells, we have what is known as mitochondria. This converts calories from food into energy that our body needs. DNP actually slows this energy way down, making your body have to work harder to burn more calories to get that same boost of energy. The energy produced is converted to heat and released from the body, essentially having the effect of three times the calories burned. Are you with me? This is where it gets dangerous. That same process can cause your body to overheat. Hypothermia is the most common cause of death from DNP, which makes sense since it was used in explosives. So while it is trying to burn these extra calories, it is raising your internal body temperature to dangerous levels. It's literally cooking you to death from the inside out because of the rapid increase in your body temperature. It's easy to overdose with this chemical as it is very powerful. For example, even low doses like 4.5 milligrams per pound could be fatal. If it didn't kill you, 
meaning you survive the nausea, vomiting, profuse sweating, headaches, and increased heart rate, you could still end up with body rash, loss of taste, and blindness to look forward to. And it's still around today. It is highly illegal to use as a weight loss or bodybuilding supplement, but people know that it works, so they go for it anyway. It can still be found today to make wood preservatives, fertilizer, dyes, still explosives, and pesticides. All of those things don't sound like they would be good to ingest, whether it made me skinny or not. You've all survived history class. My history education was all about cramming dates and names and battles into my teenage brain in order to pass the newest test to make the school look good. I didn't really enjoy history until I was able to revisit it and see that history was made up of people just like me. They had struggles, they had joy, they had sadness, and they felt victories. It became so very real to me. And now, I'm on a mission to revisit as much history as I can. Hello, my name's Elizabeth Bougere. I'm a full-time author and a full-time traveler, and I would love to share what I'm learning with you. Come with me. See my sights and stories as I go. I love history now. Real history. Not just the dates and battles. And I've discovered that others do too. So, I've created a group in Facebook, and I'd love for you to join me on my travels and adventures. Let me reintroduce you to a history that's made up of people, places, adventures. I'll even throw in a few battles for good measure. If you love American history with a side of travel, I'm sure you'll enjoy this group. Join me over there. Search the Facebook groups for History Revisited, I'm the one with the blue feather, or Type in historyrevisited.info in the search bar and then join in on the adventure. And so I can be sure to welcome you properly, be sure to say hello. Are you fond of sweets? Do you enjoy the foods which have always been thought to be fattening in the past, such as sweetmeats, rich gravies, desserts, etc.? Are you a hearty eater? then you will be glad to learn that you may now indulge your appetite to the fullest extent. You may eat all the fats, starches, and sweets as you wish. You may eat as heartily as you please and as often as you desire. There is absolutely no need to restrict yourself. If you have been taking any strenuous exercises in order to reduce, you may abandon them. You are not needed, and if carried to excess, they might even be harmful. So says R. Lincoln Graham, M.D. More on Lincoln Graham, M.D. in a moment. The website The Pharmaceutical Century says, quote, We live today in a world of drugs. Drugs for pain, drugs for disease, drugs for allergies, drugs for pleasure, and drugs for mental health. Drugs that have been rationally designed, drugs that have been synthesized in a factory or purified from nature. Drugs fermented and drugs engineered. Drugs that have been clinically tested, drugs that, for the most part, actually do what they're supposed to do, effectively and safely, end quote. Amphetamines were introduced back as early as 1929, 
when it was prescribed for colds and slight depression. When they discovered that it increased the mood and suppressed the appetite, thereby causing weight loss, a shift in marketing targeted a whole new audience. It works by targeting the central nervous system and then acts as a stimulant. It can increase energy, help with focus, and putting it plainly, make you feel good. It does this by altering the brain's pleasure responses and destroying the old paths of pleasure sensors. The body becomes addicted to the high, so when the brain doesn't get that fix, it plummets into depression. As time and experimentations went on, they began using it to treat hangovers and found that it aided in weight loss because it acted like a hunger suppressant. They didn't feel hungry. The patients were happy and losing weight. When under their influence, they make you feel like you can focus more and do things better. It may not actually be true, but you feel like it is, if that makes sense. This is where the college students began using the drug to help them study for their exams. In the moment, they thought they were doing a great job, but the test results showed that they didn't really do any better. All that extra time spent cramming for that exam didn't help them at all. In the 1960s, the perfect wife was considered both slim and peppy. Amphetamines were referred to as mother's little helpers. Something as simple as a pill had come along to help out with just that. Four billion doses were manufactured per year, all without a prescription. By the 1970s, they realized that these little helpers were also highly addictive and caused hallucinations, severe mood swings, insomnia, paranoia, and anxiety with increased heart rate. It did help people lose weight, but it was because they had no desire to eat. They were high, and then they crashed to sleep. And when they did eat, it gave them an upset stomach, but it was so addictive, they could only focus on how they could acquire more. Amphetamines are still available today and are used in helping students and adults with ADD and hyperactivity and narcolepsy and occasionally depression, but they have come under strict restrictions now, thank goodness. So at the top of the section, that was an actual advertisement for a weight loss supplement, Grams Neutroids, an easy to swallow tablet a couple times a day or as many as you like, according to the testimony in their pamphlet, quote, it could be taken by the pound without harm, end quote. R. Lincoln Graham, M.D., who is not listed in any listing of medical doctors anywhere, at any time, sold the public on his simple theory of why people were fat. In lengthy full-page ads in magazines and pamphlets, he would doctor speak that the cause was simple, says he, the fat in your body is caused by a simple chemical process. Yeast cells in the stomach combine with the starch and sugar of your food and forms alcohol. When the alcohol gets in the blood, fatty tissue is made instead of healthy, lean muscle. Neutroids counteract the action of the yeast cells and immediately overcome the formation of fat at its very source. End quote. As believable and scientific as that sounds, let me pull back the curtain and expose what the ingredients list is. His product is made up of 50% iodol, 43% magnesium carbonate, 4% starch, 3% talc, and trace amounts of iron. 
Iodol, in case you were wondering, or were at first repulsed by possibly swallowing talc powder. The chemical iodol causes, quote, emaciation, albuminous urine, which basically means it smells like eggs, fall of temperature, general loss of muscular power, and finally death from fatty degeneration of liver and kidneys, end quote. So when the testimonials in the ads of the Nostrum state, quote, no danger, guaranteed harmless, in all capital letters even, is 100% false. Are you one of those savvy dieters, or reducers, of the day, who know better than to take any of those magical miracle pills? I've got just the thing for you, perfectly safe, completely harmless, reduces the inches like crazy. The reducing craze was the latest batch of products with this target phraseology from the 1880s to the 1930s, peaking in the mid-twenties when advertising added shame, comparisons, and leveraged movie star endorsements. Focusing on topical treatments, as in all the other products like Evermade, the ease of dissolving or rather reducing the unwanted inches from wherever troubled you. By 1920, advertisements introduced more of an emotional appeal instead of scientific, and they didn't pull any punches. They still used all the doctor-approved, fancy-schmancy laboratories to make it sound more official, but that was only to back up the emotional digs. None of the soft advertisements like today's, are your clothes starting to feel uncomfortable? No, they straight up tell you that you're fat and it's unsightly. You need to fix it. And here's how. And they promised by doing this one simple thing, reducing your unwanted weight, you were sure to live happier lives, marry well, and achieve covetous beauty. Reducing products that were advertised ranged from harmless special stockings to dangerous pills, pointless creams and soaps, and strange garments. Fat was berated as a disgusting menace to society, so... Let's take a look at how the 1920s offered up a slim and trim, beautiful figure. Viaderma, quote, safely banishes double chins and slenderizes big hips, fat waists, legs, and arms, end quote. The advertisement claims to, quote, reduce where you want to reduce. Apparently, colloidal chemists, as assigned by a great New York doctor, quote, prepared an infiltrating cream which would liberate oxygen when absorbed through the skin. Whenever the part to be treated was fat, this excess weight quickly disappeared. Reducing tests were then made of fat people with amazing results. End quote. Creams that claimed to dissolve fat were popular sellers in the mid-1920s. With the ease of deciding exactly where you want the fat to disappear from was too good to be true. Oh, and it was, but people couldn't wait to get their hands on these topical lotions. Dainty form reducing cream, melto reducing cream, slender form reducing cream, Franco-French reducing cream, and the specialized Fleck ankle reducing cream. Reducine was a pleasant cream that caused a, quote, harmless chemical reaction during which the excess fat is literally dissolved away. Whatever these guys did was the final straw, and the FTC 
the Federal Trade Commission launched its first ever case against the weight loss product. In 1927, the FTC declared that reducing was, quote, useless and of no value for the purposes for which it was so advertised, end quote. <laughs> and then, to let everybody know that they were serious, they issued a cease and desist order to both McGowan Laboratories, who made reducing, and the publishing company that had been running its ads in the magazine True Romances. The FTC ruled that by accepting the advertisements, the publisher had become, quote, purposefully and knowingly party to the part of a false and fraudulent plan for misleading and deceptive advertisement and sale of a product, end quote, an illegal act. Cease and desist orders, as well as private agreements to shed advertising of questionable products, became a dominant factor in their attempt to root out fraudulent weight loss products. But soaps, now those are completely different. Proposed to wash away the unwanted fat, they were also popular standard and could be found in magazines as well as on the shelves. Companies like Lamar Reducing Soap, Le Parlay Obesity Soap, and Dr. Paul Bruchard's Flesh Reducing Soap hit the magazines and the homes. Lamar Reducing Soap claims, quote, Results are quick and amazing. Reduce any part of the body without affecting other parts. Be as slim as you wish. Acts like magic reducing double chin, abdomens, ungainly ankles, unbecoming wrists, arms and shoulders, large busts, or any superfluous fat on the body. One to three cakes usually accomplishes the purpose. End quote. In 1926, it was declared a fraud by the U.S. Postmaster General and the company was barred from advertising or processing sales through the mail. La Parlay Obesity Soap claims, quote, It positively reduces fat without dieting or gymnastics. Absolutely harmless. Never fails to reduce flesh when directions are followed, end quote. Dr. Paul Bouchard's flesh-reducing soap says, quote, It absorbs fatty tissue from any part of the body, proving the needless use of dangerous drugs, dieting, steam pack, or exercises, end quote. I love words. I could, well, and have read these advertisements over and over. They are basically saying the same things, but the colorful wording, it, it just amuses me. Let's move on to bath salts. Quote, no need of taking drugs or starving yourself. No need of devoting hours to tiresome exercise or wearing uncomfortable reducing garments, end quote. And it claims to, quote, remove superfluous fat and give a slender, firm, stylish figure. Louisenbad reduction salt, quote, brings to your own tub the salts found in the reducing bath springs of Europe and patronized by royalty, end quote. Yep, just send your dollar to the luxurious importers, in Chicago, Illinois. And like the ads all claim, completely harmless, and most of the time they were, but they were also completely useless. Florizona, Faro, Clark's Thinning Bath Salts, Every Woman's Flesh Reducer, were all promising to dissolve away the fat as you relax in your luxurious bath. And of course, to keep things interesting, the lesser company comes up with a non-salt bath, because this, mm, this is the real stuff. 
It comes straight from Germany. It says, quote, This new non-salt bath that scorns diet and exercise to get results immediately begins to take off the weight. Not in a few cases, but in hundreds of thousands, men and women alike. In many instances where other methods have been tried, slim figure bath was the finest and only one to actually take off fat, end quote. It's not a salt, the ad reminds you, but they do quote, a strictly cosmetic preparation that invigorates as it reduces, end quote. This product was tested, and it's found that its exotic cosmetic preparation was nothing more than the ingredients found in your own kitchen cornstarch, baking soda, table salt, borax, and tartaric acid. Stick with me for just a sec. I want to tell you about one of my favorite finds on topical reducing formulas. Hint, I love it when those humbuggeries get shown for what they are. Frauds. Hello listeners, we are Katie, Amber, Kylie, and Matt, and we are the hosts of Save Me an Isle Seat, a show that talks about musicals in an understandable and relatable way. If you like musicals or theater in general, or if you're interested in them but don't know where to start, we'd love to help introduce you. Come find us wherever you listen to your podcasts. Or on our website at www.ragtagnetwork.com. And we'll be sure to save you an aisle seat. Did you hear about the latest discovery to reduce? One fat woman is whispering to the other. It's called Sylph, and it's making a hit because it does take off fat in the easiest and most agreeable way. What is there to do? Simply chew two or three pieces of refreshing and pleasant gum. It's as good as eating candies. This was an ad for the Sylph Chewing Gum Company, obviously. So let me introduce you to the Sangrina weight loss line of products and Sylph Chewing Gum Company. They promised weight loss by simply chewing their gum or using any of their other products, and they were doing good business until the wrong person got sick, and an investigation was launched. The investigation on the legitimacy of the company had this to say, quote, One of the cures was put out by the imposingly named Scientific Research Laboratories and Madame Elaine. The laboratories were non-existent, and so was Madame Elaine. The other obesity cure was Sylph Chewing Gum, which was sold by the Sylph Medical Company and Madame Claire. There was nothing medical about the company. There was no Madame Claire. End quote. The way these two companies worked was mostly through mail order, so there had to be an actual physical address, right? The report goes on to tell about their continued investigation. They had to visit the places of business to further their research, but when they followed the addresses to the actual buildings, they discovered that it's two different street addresses to the same building. The building is on a corner. The doors were on completely separate streets. Two pretend businesses, two real addresses, one same office with pretend laboratory. Now that's criminally clever. As they continued their investigation into the products, this is where the humor ends. It was discovered that the gum contained poke root, which is toxic as a whole if you don't know what you're doing. Causes nausea, vomiting, stomach cramps, and diarrhea. 
phenylphthalene, which is basically a laxative. It stimulates the intestinal mucosa and causes constriction to smooth muscles. And then finally, desecrated thyroid from pigs, which increases your metabolism. As the least of it, it gives you an upset stomach. But regular uses of it, as suggested by the product makers themselves, two to three sticks a day, and long-term use of these combined ingredients can lead to muscle spasms, difficulty breathing, bloody diarrhea, and convulsions. The report goes on to say, and I need to read it directly because it's, it's just better that way. It says, quote, In addition to these two obesity cure fakes, they had two subsidiary humbugs in the same line, Dr. Fultz reducing soap and Sangra salts, which was Epsom salt, colored. The company, not companies, evidently meant to overlook no opportunity of catching those optimistic overweights who think they can reduce without cutting down the food intake or increasing the amount of exercise. He covered the four basic methods at present popular in obesity cure fields, tablets, reducing soap, reducing chewing gum, and bath salts, end quote. He went on to add one more snarky retort, and you can almost hear him saying it under his breath, quote, Epsom salts that could be purchased for a few cents in any drugstore brought a dollar and a half when sold as an obesity cure, end quote. Also during the 1920s, suddenly movie mags were all the rage. They started in 1911 with the granddaddy of them all, Motion Picture Magazine, but it didn't take long for many others to cash in on the craze. The magazines covered the glamour and the fantasy that was Hollywood. They were filled with articles and photos of actors and actresses on the big screen, glimpses into their real life, news from upcoming films, fashion trends, the people were hungry for anything and everything coming out of Hollywood. And the spin-off of that was the introduction of endorsements. If the stars were doing it, wearing it, eating it, using it, then the fans would too. While in the early years, the ads would claim things like, the stars in Hollywood are raving about it, or all the movie stars are saying blah blah blah, without mentioning any names. It eventually became a great way to promote the stars who were owned by the movie studios and the products and the latest movies being released. It wasn't long before the actual stars put their stamp of approval on coffee, hygiene products, cigarettes, and beauty items. And the item of choice was cigarettes. By the 1940s, two-thirds of the top 50 movie stars were endorsing cigarettes. Al Jolson, for example, famous movie actor, endorsed the benefits of Lucky Strike cigarettes by claiming, quote, I light a Lucky and go light on the sweets. That's how I keep in good shape and always feel peppy, end quote. Lucky Strike used, in part, these endorsements to showcase the value of smoking their brand to lose weight, or rather, maintain a healthy weight. They never actually claimed that the cigarettes themselves produced weight loss, but did advocate that the practice of choosing a Lucky Strike over a candy bar would definitely help the fight. Their ads would attack other reducing strategies like, quote, ridiculous and dangerous nostrums, harmful reducing girdles, fake reducing tablets, and other quack anti-fat remedies condemned by the medical profession, end quote. 
They actually claim that their cigarette was endorsed by more doctors who found less throat irritation as compared to other brands. And, you know, since they've got that going for them, the advertising strategy also included, quote, it brings to men a health and vigor that comes with avoiding overweight. To women, it offers a slender, fashionable figure, and all it means is a few puffs on a lucky strike when you crave fattening sweets, end quote. For a brief time, their catchy logo was, reach for lucky instead of a sweet. But, seeing how the candy makers were not happy with this negative connotation, Lucky Stripe, with a gentle nudging of impending lawsuits, decided to change the wording ever so slightly and settled on telling consumers to just reach for a lucky. What may have started as a crazy fad, the baseline principles were there, and this option for weight loss, not necessarily in pounds, but in toning of the skin and breaking of cellulite, is still around and practiced today. The Dr. Lawton's Fat Reducer from 1921 looks like it may have come out of a cheesy sci-fi movie. Picture, if you will, a, um, um, well, a toilet plunger. Suction to your squishy parts, promising to, quote, dissolve and eliminate superfluous fat from the system, end quote. You would use this method and the tool much the same way you would have used it on its porcelain predecessor. Choose the body part, plunge gently until a suction forms, and repeat. The ads say the treatments work through the massage-like effect while breaking down the fatty tissue. The principle for this method can actually be dated back all the way to 1500 BC, Egypt. Other cultures have used this process for all aspects of healing the body, and it's called cupping. This procedure is done with a conical device made from glass, animal horns, clay, or these days, silicone. The bowl is placed on the skin and suction is formed either by heat or a slow vacuum. It draws the skin and the muscle into the cup, giving the area the equivalent of a deep tissue massage. Not to get too much into the science of it, but basically it brings attention to that area of the body and reminds it to heal thyself. It encourages the body to send extra nutrients and hydrate the area, essentially flushing the toxins. All that to say, it can aid in your goals of losing weight. Will the little cups, or the toilet plunger for that matter, suck the fat from your body? No, no it will not. And while his ads may have promised, quote, you are going to be brought to a normal, comfortable, and vigorously healthy weight, end quote, I believe Dr. Lawton may have overpromised, just a bit. If you can't lose by these methods, perhaps it's what you're wearing. Hey everyone, sorry to interrupt, but do you know that the Ragtag Network has its own merch? You can get merch for your favorite shows such as Bag of Bones, Save Me an Aisle Seat, or Total Tomfoolery. Just visit www.ragtagnetwork.com merch now to check things out. For those of you who may be a bit squeamish about ingesting living creatures or bathing in cream of tartar and cornstarch, perhaps Dr. Walters could give you some assistance. People have tried for centuries to use the body's natural abilities of sweating to get rid of their extra water weight. And yes, it's true, it does work. However, it's water. Our body is made up of 50 to 60% of the stuff, so we need it. 
It's going to come right back. But Mr. Walters didn't know that, or worse, maybe she did. And she was certainly proud of the fact that her products made a fortune from 1904 through the 1930s. Dr. Walters' famous medicated reducing rubber had a mysterious coating in it that claimed to stimulate the wearer to sweat, therefore causing the loss of inches. The good doctor had patented the product for every body part. The waist, the chin, neck, bust, hips, arms, and those unsightly ankles. There was also a rubber mask for the face. An added bonus, excellent for bleaching the face, so claims the advertisements. <laughs> I couldn't imagine walking in on that. I'm thinking Silence of the Lambs meets Leatherface. My face is plenty bleached, thank you very much. While the rubber devices did produce sweat, it also caused the skin to break down, becoming dangerously thin, which then caused tearing, sores, and infection. And I can't imagine that it would be comfortable. The ads say that all the upper class was wearing them, and of course, that made the middle class want them all the more. Now, if you'd rather, Perfelastic offers waist and hip reduction up to 4 inches in just 10 days. They have the Perfelastic Reducing Girdle. This, like Dr. Walters offers, is made of rubber, but it's plantation rubber, which is more gentle, I mean, obviously, and offers additional reduction properties by automatic massage. It says, quote, with every breath you draw, every step you take, its continuous gentle pressure breaks up fat cells, molds away flabby flesh as an expert masseuse would. Cool, comfortable, and light, full of tiny holes to let skin breathe, end quote. And if that doesn't sell you, it includes the garters, no additional cost. Sold! The Reduce-O-Matic from the 1940s sounds like a parody from Saturday Night Live, but it was actually a wearable sweat box. This took the place of the rubberized girdles and corsets, and I guess the face masks too, during the rubber rationing of World War II. It looks like a giant inflated sleeping bag. You could crawl in and zip it up to your neck, and a small air pump was attached to the base with a motor, it would fill up the cloth bag with hot air and vapor. The steam would then help you sweat out all of your excess weight while comfortably relaxing and reading a book. The gray bar stimulator says that all you have to do is press a switch, relax, and let the wonder-working belt do the rest. The stimulator promised to blast away unwanted fat. A wide-strapped belt was worn around your waist and attached to a motor. The belt would rest just above the hips. You'd lean your weight back, making the band taunt, and you'd flip the switch. It jiggled the fat, the fat you didn't even know you had. Apparently, it jiggled it right off of you, I guess. This popular piece of exercise equipment came out in the 1920s and managed to keep selling right on through to the 1960s. Its claim, quote, Regular use makes you feel fit right out to your very fingertips. A few minutes each day is all that's needed. In the most natural fashion, your figure resumes the slim, trim contours of your teens. Truly, the stimulator is a bargain in things that make life worthwhile. End quote. And 
I have one more dieting marvel to share with you, and it's been endorsed by the king. The king of rock and roll, that is. Wouldn't it be great if we went to sleep one night and when we woke up we had lost all those unwanted pounds? If that's your idea of the perfect weight loss plan, then you'd be most interested in the Sleeping Beauty Diet. Yes, it's a thing. The diet plan is simple. If you're sleeping, then you can't be eating. So you just have to extend your time of sleep so you don't have as much opportunity to be tempted by the evils of food. Sounds easy, right? The problem is, your body wants food. It needs food. If you sleep through a meal or two and then wake up to eat junk or whatever is in front of you, it's still not helping. Or if you're trying to live on carrots, it's still not helping. And then in desperation, the Sleeping Beauty Diet encouraged taking sleeping pills to extend the hours of sleep. Now this is where Elvis Presley got into trouble. During his later years of his career, he was completely dependent on medications to keep him awake and performing, and then he would take another pill to put him to sleep. He became desperate to lose the weight he had gained over the years that the capes of his jumpsuits just didn't hide. He would sedate himself for days at a time to keep him from eating, but when he was awake, he was notorious for his odd and unhealthy deep-fried menu choices that he ate whenever he had time to eat. It has been recorded that the king of rock and roll would consume 10 to 12,000 calories a day, more than five times a healthy male average. But a doctor believed the sleeping beauty diet would be the only thing that he could do. So he prescribed to put the king into a medically induced coma for three days, with the hope that he would, I don't know, wake up to be the 1950s Elvis Presley? Completely unrealistic. I'm convinced celebrity makes you do stupid things. Well, it is true that you do need a healthy amount of sleep to encourage your body to lose weight. It is also true that when you are awake and moving around, you're actually doing the things that you need to do that make the weight loss happen. Your metabolism is at its slowest when you're sleeping. In fact, it's proven that if you habitually sleep more than 10 hours at a time on the regular, you're more likely to become obese. So when you wake up and are ravenous, your body doesn't have the chance to burn off what you just ate because you're sleeping. There are more reasons not to participate in this sleeping beauty diet than there are two. So let me save you some time. Just don't do it. Oftentimes, I like to look back at the contents of these types of episodes and giggle to myself at how silly we, as the country of people we once were, that what seems obvious as ridiculous choices that were made once upon a time, that we would now know better. I am sad to report that at the end of this episode, for every single weight loss product that we discuss today, there is a modern equivalent. No joke every single one. Pills, soaps, baths, creams, equipment, garments, and philosophies. Yep, even the personal sweat box. We are still so sure that there must be an easier way to get the figure that we have in our mind's eye. And believe me, I've bought my fair share of ridiculousness too. So let me leave you with these helpful tips. 
in case you are in doubt. If you see any of these clues in anything you are thinking of trying, let me help you out. If it says, lose weight without dieting or exercising, you won't. You won't have to watch what you eat to lose weight. Um, you do. If you use this product, you'll lose weight permanently. Um, that's a lie. If you wear this, just stop. It won't happen. To lose weight, all you have to do is take this pill. Lie and crazy dangerous. You can lose 30 pounds in 30 days. Nope, not going to happen. This product works for everyone. You know what? It really doesn't. Lose weight with this salt or cream. Stop. Just stop right there because you can't. Eat whatever you want. No. No. And so quickly we have reached the end of another episode of Bag of Bones. As always, I am so very happy you decided to join me. If you love what's happening here, I'd be most grateful if you could rate it 5 stars and give it the kind of review that would make everyone you know want to stop by and listen. As I'm traveling across this great country looking for stories, if you'd like to support the show, please find the link in the show notes and perhaps buy me a gallon of gas. What? Everyone else asks for coffee or a subscription. A gallon of gas. It just fits. Anyway, I look forward to meeting you here again next week. I'm Elizabeth Bougeret. Until then. Bag of Bones is created and hosted by Elizabeth Bougeret, produced by the Ragtag Network and History Revisited, music by Johnny Reed. To learn more about the show, visit elizabethbougeret.com. For more podcasts from the Ragtag Network, visit their website at www.ragtagnetwork.com. Copyrights by Elizabeth Bougeret and DCT Enterprises.